It's The Right Hook with George Hook on Tuesday. Tuesday at this time is a haven for all you travellers as we are taken to places near and far with the dulcet tones of Moncon McGann, who joins me. Moncon, welcome to the programme. Thank you so much, George. It is a very interesting thing as we come... This is the second last uh, travel of 2015... How popular you are, not that you're not popular, but what I mean is how popular you are when you talk about Ireland. One would have thought, you know, that kind of India or Mm -hmm. whatever. But no, in fact, people like hearing about Ireland. Yeah, which is lovely, isn't it? I mean, there's so many good signs on Ireland and particularly this interest we are taking in our own uh, home, potentials for home holidays and the new places that are opening up is is definitely something to be excited about. So where are you going to now? I'm going to go to southwest Donegal. So almost the first time I was in Donegal was, remember we did, you went up and we filmed in the, um, in the show on Peninsula a few years ago. Actually, you've just, no, Fanned, Fanned Lighthouse. Uh, and since then, I've, like, Donegal has blown my mind. It is far. It's further away than anywhere else. But God, it's got something special. Well, the problem with it is, and it must really upset a lot of Donegal people, it is so ill-served by by public transport. Mm-hmm. You can't get a train there. I'm sure you can get a bus, but you, you can't get a train there. Then the other interesting thing is, depending on who you talk to, there's a different route. Yeah, Like yeah, there yeah. appears to be about four routes to the same place. Exactly, exactly. And so but the bit I want to look at this time is southwest Donegal, which is basically just north of Sligo. And we all think Sligo's relatively near, particularly Dublin-centric people. There's a train there. So it's only a hop-up, you know, just north of uh, Sligo, which we've looked at. We've looked at that surfing and then up to Bundoran. But from then on, you got Rosnaula, you got Ballyshannon in land, you got Glen, Glen Columkill and out that peninsula to Glen Columkill and back to the great weaving in Ardra. So I want to look at all this region. But right. I want to start in Rosnaula, um, you know, Bundoran gets all the goes to all the attention because got so many hotels and so many tourist uh, occasions. Rosnaula is really only the Sands Hotel. You know, the Sands Hotel. The Britons family came out here in 1948. They built this long. Um, it looks like a classic Victorian hotel, but it is a. They, I mean, they bought it as an old cottage and built it on and took this gorgeous, like two kilometers, so two point five kilometers of pristine sandy beach without huge waves, perfect for learning to 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 stand up paddleboard or to or to surf. And the fact, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That I think we used to do, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, I was—I have a cough at the moment because I was swimming there just ten days ago, and uh, <laughs> clearly it mightn't be the best idea. Um, <laughs> and we are swimming without a wetsuit. No, I had a wetsuit. Yeah, all right, it's, it's okay. still, it's still okay. So, it, well, just so that we get there now, um, the way I go is I go to Sligo, mm-hmm. and then I go to Donegal. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and the alternative way is to go via True Fermanagh and cut out at Balik there and then, and then straight yeah. across. But and, and then there are aficionados of the M1 up to Newry yeah. and go across through Armagh and all that I sort know. of stuff. Yeah, conceptually, I can never get my head around that, but they do claim, yeah, that, that it makes the same time. Anyway, so Ross Naula, really what is there? I mean, there's a lovely Franciscan friary. So the Franciscans have been in this part of Donegal since the, the 15th century. Clearly, they got booted out then when Henry VIII came along, late uh, early 16th century. But they came back in 1946 and they built this uh, Franciscan friary and it, the reason it's of interest to us is they started a whole retreat centre with these beautiful gardens going down right down to the beach and then up the hills up these rhododendron covered hills and uh, they were doing day retreats and longer retreats 
the future of it, it's kindly, it's not quite sure whether it's open or closed. I mean, the, the friary, the church itself is really popular. Uh, it's one of those rare times, you know, the, if we, we're, as we're all trying to find new ways to engage with Catholicism and that Franciscan blend is sort of a nice nature-y type of easy access. Yeah, blend. the idea of retreat is kind of going out of fashion though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but this one was modern. It was sort of French inspired. It was keeping, it was one of the few times that looked, that it looked like the potential. It's sad it's closed just because the location is so beautiful. And there probably aren't too many Franciscans left. No, exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, this, the, but Rosnaula was, uh, so as I said, it was basically this one family. The Britons are the people who, the Britain family are the people who, who brought surfing to Ireland. Mary Britain was the first woman who started going over to America and bringing tourists to Donegal, to all of Ireland, to Donegal. On one of her trips, she comes back with a surfboard. They don't know what to do with it. They think it's a kayak or a canoe or something. And then an Australian tourist turns up in Donegal sees it there on the side of the wall, takes it out and shows them how to use it. And since then, the Britons have, like, the, all, each generation have won all the international awards. Now, like, just across the road, the Finn McCool Surf School is run by Neil Britton, who is, like, um, uh, you know, in other words, a grandchild of, of Mary and, and Vinnie. And he's got a surf school. Even in winter, he's open at the weekends, you know, to, for either to rent the gear or to give classes. But his, his first cousin, Eastkey Britton, is, like, a world champion woman surfer. His, her, his, his, her... Eastkey's dad and his uncle Barry Britton does these lovely portraits of the of Al- Alton. You've probably seen them black and white. Anyway, they sort of own this whole area um, of, of of the coast. I'm getting line. the message. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Inland, so we have the friary. You have the friary. You have the wonderful 2.5 kilometers of beach, gorgeous walks, and then these all estuaries from the Erne River. Because this is all like. All of Ireland is focused on the Shannon. We ignore the Urn because we thought it was Northern Ireland's river. This area is where the Urn meets the Atlantic. And the classic mouth of that, the mouth of the Urn is Ballyshannon. It's the total wrong name. It has nothing to do with Shannon. It's Shunnoch. It was a 5th century warrior who died there. Um, All right. Yeah. And Bally I Shan- thought Shunnoch was a hawk or something. It was a fox. Uh, a fo- Shun- yeah, yeah. Oh, Shunnoch. of course it's a fox. I live in Fox Rock. Yeah, Ballyshannon. <laughs> exactly. So it's actually Shunnoch. Right. But, uh, but, into right. but anyway, um, yeah, but the th- Ballyshannon, okay, because... Th- being the mouth of the River Urn, meeting the Atlantic, it was a prime sort of centre for the Vikings, for then sort of the Celtic the Celtic clans. O'Donnells were there and their castle is still there on either side. But then on either side of the river are these phenomenal Georgian buildings. Like this was a very rich place where a load of uh, salted fish and wool and leather was exported up until the 18th century. It's where the poet Allingham, you know, um, William Allingham, who wrote Up the Fairy Glen, up the, what it was, up the Fairy Airy Mountain, down the Fairy Glen. Yeah. Anyway, it's quite a lot of culture in Ballyshan, but particularly because of all this history, these beautiful Georgian buildings, the old breweries, the old mills, there's a sense that you're sort of in Bath or Bristol, an old English trading town. Um, and I had never been to Ballyshan, you know? People sort of ignore it. It's, it's the birthplace of Rory Gallagher. He was he was born there in the Rock Hospital, and they still in the bank holiday weekend in June they have this big Rory Gallagher tribute festival. All right, then in okay. August they have a folk festival. So it's it's, it's interesting you talk about Bristol because of course Bristol was the great commercial port of Britain. I mean mm-hmm. after London, but yeah. but Bristol was a great port well, uh, in, in the history and, uh, of Britain. What's so yeah. exciting when you come across a town that I've given no thought about whatsoever? You arrive and you see this the Mal Key, this beautiful, perfectly designed 18th century Mal Key, like with a touch of the Custom House in Dublin, and you're thinking. Who the hell built this up? Why is it there? Like the Dorian's Hotel has been there since the 18th century. Dicey Riley's pub there since 1856. They've now set up a, a home, a sort of a craft brewery thing called the uh, Donegal, um, Donegal Brewing Company. Um, 
Donegal Brewing Company and they have the usual, you know, IPAs and lagers and all. But it's a happening town or there's enough happening that it's definitely worth visiting anyway. Okay. Uh, great 18th century. Mainly, they have no big shop, okay? They have no supermarket, but they have two really hopping craft shops. So one is called Local Hands. They specialise in this man, Barry Britton's portraits, but also, do you know green men? You know, those wood carvings. They're sort of, they're a pagan tradition in Ireland that somehow they're still being made up there and some it's basket work. Okay, continue on the coast. We're going out towards, uh, you know, towards Slave League Cliffs and on. The first thing you get, you go through, you go and go through Donegal Town, just bypass Donegal Town at the moment because I want to get people out to the countryside, out to Killybegs. Killy bags, big fishing now. Exactly, huge. I mean, for kids who want to see those monster, you know, fishing fleets, there's always something happening at the pier. But mainly, you know, that's only a few seconds. Really, you're watching vast machines pulling up uh, the, the travel for miles. But. There's a, there's a really good interpretive centre at the Killybegs International Carpet Making and Fishing Centre. So in the old Killybegs, you know, Killybegs was famous for carpets. So the Donegal carpets that are to be found in the Vatican, that are found in the White House, in uh, in the Oval Room, the White House, that are in Buckingham Palace, were all made in this carpet mill. There was this one man in the 19th century who decided he was going to create hand-knotted carpets and each knot was going to stick out of the carpet so beautifully that it was going to look like a pearl. Okay, this is in the 19th century. They are still being made today, still on the exact same loom. So the loom that the carpet was made for Queen Victoria, that's now in Buckingham Palace, people are still making those carpets, hand-knitted carpets in Ireland today. Really? It's like very expensive. It's now like, you know, emirs in Kuwait and things are buying them. All right. But okay. the cra- it's still Irish craft. It's the heirs the the heirs, the descendants of the original people who were making them 100 years ago are making them on the exact same timber looms, hand-knotted. And selling them. Yeah, and selling them at great expense. And so you know the way when we think of carpets, you think of like Axminster and Wilton and things. Yeah. None of those are being made anymore, at least not in their original place. These are still being made. So in this interpretive centre where you see the big looms, where you can try your hand at looming yourself and you see women or, you know, and men showing you how to handle how not a carpet, also in it is... The, the fishing centre. So a, a sort of a discovery centre of what it means to navigate and to control one of these super trawlers. Okay? Now the so only, it's a simulator. Yeah. The only way you can do it, exactly. It's in complete silhouette. So you think you're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're running the boat like. It's three screens, three vast screens. Like you, you're going to feel seasick at sometimes. At some point, they're making you, like they'll put, they'll put, there's a challenge that you need to come, that you need to do. Like you're a skipper on this fully laden trawler that's coming in in a storm. And you're going to have to, like, there's a 2.5 metre swell. They tell you what the weather conditions are. And you're going to have to bring it in safely into Killybegs and pull it up on the south end of the pier without losing all your gear. It's like sweat-inducing stuff. It's really visceral. But at the same time... Uh, I'd certainly be sick. Yeah, well, you're learning all about, you know, how to get through shallow waters, how to read charts, how to take into account of weather. It is definitely an experience uh, worth doing. Right. Onwards, out that peninsula, out towards Glen Cullum Kill. Uh, the first thing, the first town you come to is Kilcar. Uh, again, there's a sea road. You'll be, you'll see an arrow pointing to towards the coast road to Kil- Kilcar. Slightly longer, but it's worth it. Little town, little pier called Muckras. And uh, there's a woman there, Kathleen Sheehan, who's making uh, hand jumpers, hand-knitted jumpers from the Donegal wool that they've been making for centuries. And you go into her house, she mainly makes them because she loves to chat. So you're going into this little house on, on top of a pier with the Atlantic waves washing over the pier, and there she is knitting away uh, and giving you an insight into the country. And you say, how are you, Kathleen? Can yeah. I have a sweater? Yeah, you know, and imagine... Compared to, if we're all saying that Irish tourism has been taken over by Eastern Europeans serving you in, you know, anodyne 
uh, tourist facility. This is the real thing. Because Donegal doesn't get those crowds of people, they are more authentic than uh, than sort of anywhere else. But you're making this. I mean, I'm just shamed by, in recent times, I've been in Donegal a few times, you know, whereas previously I'd been there at all mm-hmm. for 60 years and then suddenly I'm there. But, like, I'm shamed by missing all this know, wonderful stuff. Yeah, it's, I'm, what's, but people are finally catching on. And, Again, do you remember, I criticised once the Wild Atlantic Way. When it first came out, I was very jaundiced about it. All of these places are opening up thanks to the Wild Atlantic Way. That promotion, you know, no matter how much it cost and how in your face it was, it introduced us to a whole different uh, part of the world. So, okay, we're just south of Kilcar. You go into Kilcar then, which is which has Studio Donegal. Again, I just heard, I thought it was a place that made jumpers for tourists. You know, you see them in, in sort of nice knitted jumpers for tourists. It is actually an entire warehouse, a 19th century warehouse with five hand looms and five men make it working on looms like they've been doing for 150 years in that area. It's like, and producing this quality of tweed that I didn't think was, I think you could only find in a museum, okay? And their little shop, they'll sell, I, I've ordered myself one jacket which is going to cost 400 euros. They're expensive. But a the tweed dog, jacket? Yeah, but with buttons. But, you know, so what tweed were? Tweed were for gillies. But, uh, for the listeners, Moncon is a very tweedy kind of guy. I can imagine Much better to get tweed than Gore-Tex. Tweed was made for gillies up in Spanish, Scottish estates to go out, you know, and face the elements with. Now it's only used, you know, for posh people in the opera. But if you have a tough tweed jacket, it's going to last your lifetime. And they're, the ones they make here, they sort of button down so you can actually get in and rescue a sheep from a stream and then button it down. Anyway, they're doing so. It, what <laughs> I love not. Rescue a sheep from a stream. Mon God, you <sighs> cannot be serious. I'm, I'm a going farmer re- now. I have, yeah, pigs. But I have going, responsibilities uh, to my yeah, animals. Yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. I want to talk to you here. Okay. Donegal would have suffered appallingly with emigration and all that sort of stuff. Huge amount of them went to Scotland, for instance, where we produced international goalkeepers and all sorts of stuff. Mm. But um, there was a priest up there, I seem to remember. Well, he was kind of a rosary priest or something, was he? Sorry. But but he, he was he was so appalled by the, the, the emigration, he did something about it, wasn't that right? Who yeah. was he? This was for James McDwire, Father James McDwire. And he decides that we are losing so much of our culture. And particularly, you know, because as you're going out that peninsula, you're going, you get to some really bleak landscape with just turf banks on either side and barren wilderness until you eventually get to Glen, Glen Cullum Kill. And all you're seeing, sort of, any sign of civilization is actually stone crosses and dolmens and boulders from like two, three thousand years ago. Till you finally find the green lushness of, 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 of Glen Cullum Kill, which really was the ends of the ends. And as you said, so much of the town, so much of the culture was being lost. So he created this Glen Cullum Kill folk village. And we think of folk village and we often think of, you know, uh, ersatz, fake, pseudo type of tourist interpretive centre. But this is immersed in the locality and it was all the elements. It's a cluster, a clochon, a cluster of stone houses um, that are minded by the local people. And all of them donated bits of their, of, of, of the, sort of their crafts and their houses and their furniture. So there's a really genuine feel. And so there's three three cottages which are each dedicated to a different uh, um century, so the 18th and 19th, 20th century. And they feel totally visceral. They feel like this direct link to what that life would have been in these really remote um, villages uh, in Donegal. There's also like a, there's also a school, a traditional school there, uh, you know, or what it would have been a recreation of a, a fisherman's dwelling and a school uh, and a, a little pub and, and grocery shop. But again, if you want to give children, you know, it's pointless telling them things were different in the old day. You bring them here and they see it. And the local people who are running it, you know, as I said, these aren't 
sort of foreigners or young kids from Dublin running it. They're the local people. And each day they'll do their home baking, the same scones and soda bread. Now, this is amazing because yeah. my three grandchildren here in Dublin mm-hmm. are Donegal because their dad and their granddad and all are all Donegal, right? So they've been up there tons of times. I just wonder, have they seen this? I must ask them now. Yeah, yeah. I must ask uh, Maggie and Jake and, and Luke and say, listen, do you know about all this in Donegal the, the hundreds of years ago? But I'll tell you where I played golf. I, you wouldn't be a great golfer, but I wonder, do you know this place? Nairn and Port New Golf Club. Yeah, I've a golf shirt. That? I've a golf shirt from there. Ah, uh, no. And this is this tiny peninsula that again you will ignore unless you're told to go there. Like so, Ardra or Ardara. I never it's spelt Ardara and it's pronounced Ardra is like a, a heritage town. Now that doesn't sound much, much but Lismore is a heritage town. The few places that have been designated heritage towns in Ireland mean there is an unbroken tradition that is still being practiced there, and they look like nowhere else. So there's very strict um, planning guidelines in these towns, and Ardra f- still feels untouched there is still so much traditional weaving traditional knitting going on in this area um, and somehow they have this pride and tradition they haven't needed to modernise because people have recognised the importance in them okay. the other thing to notice in 2012 it was one of the roundup for the best places to live in Ireland remember the Irish Times did this thing Westport got it and they're still yeah, really yeah. crowing about it today but Ardra is on that level it has this unique feel of it being a place okay. which is pride you and haven't it. answered my question about Nairn and Port Noon ah lovely yeah this is that's the, the Loch Ray Peninsula which is just north of Ardra gorgeous beaches stunning sand dune beaches and these tiny little winding lanes that bring you all along the peninsula and there's lovely beaches on both sides and right at the end and at the very end in, is it, uh, uh, off the shore you probably saw it Inniskeel Island Yeah, and, and you can walk out to it at low tide Again, as I always say with these low tide islands, be careful. But this golf course, yeah. um, it, because it's like your classic golf course, which is just something that came up and just used the land and put in greens and tees. Mm-hmm. We left everything in between as it was. Like these are what these are wonderful Irish and Scottish golf courses that are the land. But it's very difficult because, like your man, whoever designed it, yeah. like just put in a green here in it, and I'm not very good. I lost a lot of balls. <laughs> yeah, but it's a great professional up there. And on your fella. way to it, you'll see the dolmen, the Kilclooney yes, dolmen. Well. The biggest, the best dolmen in Ireland. And that bloody dolmen in the Burren gets all the attention on all the other ones. This is the best one, but it's ignored again. There's no big signs to this well, one. it's not ignored it's not... anymore because you and I are talking. Uh, hopefully so, hopefully so. Yeah, the place that has got some of attention, thank God, and it used to, was the Slee of League Cliffs. Was what? The Slee of League Cliffs between right. uh, between Kilcar and, uh, and Killybegs. Um... Uh, sorry, past Kilpar, between Kilcar and, and Glen Cullum Kill. And again, you know, the Cliffs of Moher got all this bloody attention until Donegal finally said, what do you do? We have the highest cliffs in Europe, not only in Ireland. Stunning, still soaring down from the, from Slave League Mountains. The, the peak is Bungloss and then a 600 metre drop, sheer drop down to the water. But the walk up to it, I mean, you can drive, but don't drive. You know, particularly in the summer, it gets crowds. It's one little narrow, one trick route up to it. Um, about a kilometre and a half to, I mean, if you're old you know, by all means but otherwise walk up 1.5 kilometres to the car park and then there's a walk to the one man's pass basically it's a it's a tiny trail going up to the very peak of the cliff that only one person can, can, can pass along 
and it just is spectacular. It's like it's the epitome of that whole Atlantic wilderness. Idea. All right, well there you are, uh, and uh, I think he's great. I must say, I mean, when he said the epitome, I'm going to take him aside and give him a lecture. But you must remember, English is only <laughs> his second language. He struggles here sometimes uh, to speak the language. Him being a he's speaking Irish all the time at home. Uh, Moncom again. It's uh, Tuesday travel next week. Um, of course, will be our last one before. For Christmas, so be sure to tune in. But it's Donegal. At Donegal, I had no idea, and uh, I'm going back just to look.